you remind us what we're supposed to be about. Some of us get a little flabby in our faith. We lose the zeal. We don't remember the baptism. And we've been doing it for a long time and we go to church and yeah, it's nice and be a Christian and then, and then you walk, watch somebody stand up and say, I want to belong to this community. From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's podcast Sunday series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. Did you know that at the Easter Vigil Mass here in a couple weeks, we'll be welcoming new members into the Catholic Church? In today's episode, Father Foley speaks to these individuals as well as everyone else as he reminds us how their conversion is our conversion and their blessings are our blessings. We have these readings, in particular the three of them are quite unusual the way they weave together dealing with themes of, of blindness and sight and sin and redemption and election and healing. If we sort of flatten them because what we've got is, you know, somebody's elected king in the first reading and Paul is telling us about being children of light and Jesus heals the blind, uh, it doesn't sound like any of those people did much other than having God work some miracle in them. And we could get the impression that being elected or even having our eyes open doesn't require anything more than prayer. But we do have to lift a finger. There is mission afoot here. And it's not simply about the elect. It's not simply about them being prayed over and them being scrutinized and them being blessed and then being dismissed from the community, which we virtually never do, as a sign that they are fasting for the full Eucharist that they will receive at the Easter Vigil. They're gonna take the Easter plunge, but theirs is not a personal journey. This is not private conversion. There's no such thing as individual grace. This is dramatic public living of turning one's life towards Christ. This is why the church elects and prays over them and blesses and initiates them in such a public manner. Their conversion is our conversion. Their scrutiny is our scrutiny. Their blessing is our blessing for the sake of the church and in these incredibly difficult times for the sake of the world. It is not breaking news to suggest that our world needs to be scrutinized. Our world needs an exorcism. There is so much evil, there is so much violence. I mean, it's shocking. And I know sometimes we can get numb to it. I sometimes can't even turn the news on anymore. I just want to listen to WFMT, you know. And, but it's there, and it's not just in Ukraine. I mean, that's what's up in front. But when you think of the humanitarian crises that are going on in Syria and Venezuela and Yemen, the exorcism is not simply about confronting unseen demons. The exorcism and purification that is being called for by this community, by this ritual, by these elect, is calling us to be different. If you've been to an infant baptism recently, you remember that if they do it, sometimes they drop it, which I think is a bad idea, but if you've been to one, there is an exorcism over the infant. 
And you're saying to yourself, why is there an exorcism on this innocent child? The only thing who's ever done is maybe screamed when you poured the water on them, okay? There's no demon there. Why do we do an exorcism on an infant? The exorcism isn't simply casting out some evil from that child. It's for the sake of the parents and the godparents. It's reminding them that this child, like every child, is born into a world where there is sin. And we pass it on. We teach each other prejudice. We teach each other violence. We teach each other intolerance. And so what the church does in this moment of exorcism, even for an infant, is, is commission the family, the first church, commission the godparents, commission the companions who have been with the elect how many months now, that we have to be different, that we cannot pass on the violence that is erupting in such a grotesque way in the Ukraine these days. In today's sacred ritual, with Kim and Eric and Marcella in our thoughts and prayers because they could not make it this morning, it puts it all on Arthur, but you, you, you stand for the community. But you don't stand alone. When we do these rituals, we're doing it both with you and for you, but we're also doing it for ourselves because you're not making a journey by yourself. You've made a journey with companions for months now. They're gonna be up here with you. But the journey is also one in which you make for us. We hold you, we hold the elect up. There's a, there's a classical term in, in the ancient world, photosomonoi. People moving into the light. We hold you up as the light. The church is the wax, though. You don't do this alone. You do this with the support and the care and the prayer and the commitment of a community that says, we will support you. We will pray you into this. And the irony was that in turn, you have a ministry to us. You remind us what we're supposed to be about. Some of us get a little flabby in our faith. We lose the zeal. We don't remember the baptism. What? You were six days old? Or maybe one day and your grandmother baptized you if it was like my family. <laughs> and we've been doing it for a long time and we go to church and yeah, it's nice and be a Christian and then, and then you walk, watch somebody stand up and say, I want to belong to this community. When that happens, we place the elect at the epicenter of grace, at the vanguard of gospel truth, at the heart of healing. Their metanoia is our metanoia. We become mentors of grace, and they in turn teach us what our commitment is supposed to be about. So at this moment, we take a deep breath in the spirit. We brace ourselves. Because if we ask for God's spirit, not only are the elect changed, we're changed. If we're willing, we open our hearts to God's purifying fire and boundless blessing.
So every candidate for initiation continues to be transformed in the image of Christ, and that this community might be transformed in that image. That we actually might become the light of Christ. Time now for announcements and events. Did you know there's an Old St. Pat's podcast music playlist? Spotify users can press shuffle on this playlist and enjoy hours and hours of beautiful music curated by our director of music, Mark Skazafave. Experience the composers and music that we so often associate with Lent by searching for Old St. Pat's Podcast Music Series Playlist in Spotify. Join Encounter and Old St. Pat's community members for our next Lenten Evening of Eucharistic Adoration on Wednesday, April 6th and April 13th from 7.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. in the church. For additional questions, email ekelly117 at gmail.com. Nurture your love and kindness Monday evenings this Lent with 30-minute guided online meditations led by Al Gustafson. This is a great introduction to meditation, a way to reduce stress and practice for allowing God's love to live more fully in you. The online events start at 7.30 p.m. each Monday night. Register at contemplativecommunity.org. Friday, April 1st is the next First Friday Club of Chicago. This April, you'll get a chance to hear Annette Nance Holt speak about serving the city as the first African-American woman to hold the position of Fire Commissioner of the Chicago Fire Department. To register for this free event, please visit firstfridayclubchicago.org. Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the 10 a.m. Mass on Sunday, March 27th by Father Ed Foley. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpats.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Old St. Pat's app. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast. Podcast.